0: Because Life Cycle Assessment was initially created specifically to address products. In fact, it was the question of returnable soda bottles versus single-use soda bottles. That was the first question posed that led to the creation of uh, LCA. And packaging was the topic for the first few years of LCA. But it doesn't have to be restricted to products.
1: Welcome to the Urbanista, where we discuss the water management challenges of Nordic cities. From safe drinking water distribution and stormwater collection to building sustainable urban living environments. Here is your host, Delphine Vesalo. Hey, welcome back, Urbanistas. Carbon footprint reduction is on the agenda of many companies, and life cycle assessment has been one of the key elements in this process. Yes, Calculating the carbon footprint of your own product is a good start. And our guest today knows a thing or two about that. So who are you and what do you do?
0: Hi, Delphine. Well, I'm um, glad to be here with you today. And I teach life cycle assessment at Harvard. I've been doing that since the late 90s. Uh, I've been a life cycle assessment consultant since the mid 90s. I currently direct research in life cycle assessment, applying life cycle assessment at companies uh, at MIT, and I'm a co-founder of a platform for making life cycle assessment radically more accessible in the world, and that platform is called Earthster. All right, yes, there are a lot
1: of discussions, a lot of conversations around carbon emissions and um, carbon footprint, how to reduce them, but in order to reduce those emissions, we first need to know how much carbon footprint are we are we living, and that's we understand that's one of the key things that we can get to know through the life cycle assessment. But to start with the with the basics, mm-hmm. so Greg, what exactly is life cycle assessment?
0: Yes, well. Life cycle assessment, interestingly, was born, uh, I I love to ask people to guess, you know, when do you think life cycle assessment was first created, at least um, the way we practice it now? And it's, the answer is a little over 50 years ago now. So it was basically created right about the same time as the first Earth Day. 1970 was the first Earth Day. That's also the year that the US EPA was created. It was a time of great environmental uh, ferment, of course, awakening, you could say. And um, Life Cycle Assessment was created in 1968, 1969. And the intent of this method was to try and answer a question, which of different ways of making a product or using a product would be better for the environment overall? So the key words there, I think, are environment, overall, and product. That's what life cycle assessment is about. It's trying to give us an environmental assessment, not just a climate assessment, but look at all the issues, whatever those may be, that are important environmentally. Look at them um, comprehensively in relation usually to products. And I say usually because... Life cycle assessment was initially created specifically to address products. In fact, it was the question of returnable soda bottles versus single-use soda bottles. That was the first question posed that led to the creation of uh, LCA, and packaging was the topic for the first few years of LCA. Um, But it doesn't have to be restricted to products. Um, Life cycle assessment has been applied to lifestyles, households, um, regions, companies, and so forth. You can do an organizational life cycle assessment, um, but the original creation of LCA was definitely to give you a holistic environmental evaluation of products and to help you um, choose the best and make any uh, situation better, any product system better. So it's not only, uh, as you
1: said, about products or how any given manufacturer produces a product and what it takes and what is, of course, all the all the carbon footprint that left behind after producing mm-hmm. that item specifically, but then while using that product or, mm-hmm. or in in a different type of environment. So that would be that would also be in the scope of of LCA, or that can also be measured or assess or evaluate it with lca
0: yes you're you're helping remind us the the term life cycle uh, is present in the name and what it refers to of course is the life cycle from cradle to grave or cradle to cradle of a product very much uh, including but going beyond the production phase as you say so It's cradle means not just manufacturing the product, but manufacturing all the inputs used to produce the product, manufacturing all of uh, the inputs used to produce those inputs, going all the way upstream as far as we need to, to capture everything that matters environmentally. And then looking downstream, looking at distribution of the product, use of the product and end-of-life management for the product. So if it's sent to recycling, what are the environmental impacts of the recycling? But beneficial yeah. as well as uh,
1: negative. So this has been an interesting evolution, as you put. It's not just products you mentioned, even households. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about, well, our homes or our buildings yeah. or our shopping centers. Or yeah. So those can also be, I mean, the overall running the business, should I say, or the overall, yeah, that can also be, but there how many items, how many variables can we get there in any given building?
0: It's amazing. So um, I like to tell uh, students learning LCA because they ask, where do we draw the boundaries? Um, And of course, companies ask this too. And I think the real true answer is, if it matters, it should be included. And so, if it matters means if if something that uh, is affected by the choice to use a product or the design of a product or service, if there's an impact that makes a significant contribution on at least one category of impact to the to the total in the in the perspective of the total lifecycle impacts. If it matters, if it makes a significant contribution, then you shouldn't exclude it. If you do exclude it, you have to justify that exclusion. And as you say, LCA has been evolving. Uh, We used to think that we could exclude um, the impacts of making a factory, constructing and maintaining the factory in which, let's say, the cars or trucks or laptop computers are, are, are manufactured. We thought, well, surely uh, because this factory will be here for 50 years, and so we have to divide the impacts of the factory over all the laptops made in 50 years, surely those impacts will be trivial per laptop. Um, that was the assumption until somebody tested that assumption and found out It's not true. Uh, In fact, the factory matters. If you think about transportation, the road matters. Literally building the road and maintaining the road, even though a million trucks will drive on that road over its lifetime, I say a million, who knows? A large number of trucks will drive over that road in its lifetime. Still, one truck worth of road construction still matters in terms of the environmental impacts of transporting a product in a truck. But then talking about this, the, the lifetime, because yes, if we
1: are talking sometimes about buildings, so I mean, in constructions that we live there for, for a very long time or any type of public infrastructure, what you mentioned, a road, uh, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, a new shopping center, a new daycare. Yes. For, so that will be there. will remain there for the next 100 years 150 years i don't know so how do you extrapolate how do you yeah how do you cover all those years or how does exactly this work because it seems like a a huge amount of data huge amount of variables to consider
0: and it's just Mm -hmm. forecasting or how do you do it um that's another great question (laughs) Delphine. so you know, think about the how were the pyramids made? And I guess it, it took a lot of efforts by a lot of people, you know, uh, incredible amounts of person hours of labor and contributions that were accumulated one after another. You know, you, we had one generation of people building the first layer of the pyramids and through their lives and then they died maybe. And then along came the next generation to lay the next layer. Um, We've been building life cycle assessment databases and information sources uh, for also decades. And when we produce a life cycle assessment today, we're also relying on information contributions that have been made over the past several decades. Now, people have updated those databases. But uh, with, with newer data, thankfully, but the structure, uh, so much of the structure of the model of the supply chain or the life cycle has been created uh, over decades by thousands of person hours of, of work. So, when we, for example, uh, start to model the life cycle of a product, transportation is always present. You know, rail transport, ocean transport, uh, and truck transport, for example. They're always present. And thankfully, we don't have to do that modeling. We simply say 70 kilometers of truck transport in Europe of a certain type of truck uh, for this much mass. And we use databases that include not only the impacts of the truck transport, but the impacts of manufacturing that truck. Of manufacturing the steel used to 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 um, build the truck, uh, of producing the energy necessary to produce the steel, though all of that um, thousands, ultimately millions of parameters, as you point out, are contained in these models in these databases that we use for life cycle assessment. But all these databases
1: that you are mentioning, where are they? Because they do they live as a individual standalone entity somewhere in some governmental computer or, or or I don't know if they are all computerized I should digitalize it that's another that's another thing that right. is Where are those
0: all those databases where do they live? Yeah that's a great question. Um, and that gets me excited about this topic of bringing life radically increasing the accessibility of LCA. Uh, when the first LCAs were done, was literally one consulting firm doing the work, and believe it or not, you talk about digitization. Those people, it's hard to imagine, but they performed those lifecycle calculations with slide rules. Okay, didn't have yeah, they had pencils and paper and slide rules to to do their work. You know, so we we've come a long way. Uh, we now have these databases. The databases have been created, as I mentioned, over decades through research projects. And one of the major contributors of data, of life cycle assessment data, to the world uh, has been the Swiss government, as a matter of fact. The, the small country of Switzerland has made a huge contribution to global life cycle assessment because they funded, the Swiss EPA, Bouval funded a series of studies, hundreds of life cycle assessments that were done in the public domain in the 1980s and 1990s, always contributing more data into the public domain. Actually, to the point where around 2000, there was too much data in Switzerland, and it was conflicting with itself. You you had data from one research institute, covering the same topic as data from another research institute and they didn't always have the same numbers. And the Swiss government said we need to consolidate all of this data into a single database and make it available for LCA practitioners around the world. That was the birth of what's called the EcoInvent database. It's the largest, most transparent uh, life cycle assessment database in the world. And by transparency, I mean that when you get a result for here's the impact of transporting something in a truck, you can ask why you can say, where are these impacts coming from? How much is from the road? How much is from the truck? How much is from the steel in the truck with EcoInvent, You can always look upstream and see those impacts. And you can find what we call hotspots, the key contribution, the key processes that contribute a major contribution make a major contribution to total impacts so the the eco database is is a great example it's the most important example of a database for lca but there are many and you asked also where are these data i think you also mean who has access exactly who has access because if i imagine in
1: one i mean actually several aspects here if they're in yeah. different let's call them buckets, I don't know, in different standalone entities. Are they connected? Can we connect them? How that happens? Because the data that I may have from my own company, from my own product, I I may have it myself because I own that. But in order to do this comprehensive LCA, um, I need to access the data of my partners, the whole supply chain, Uh, Whoever it comes from, from Asia, from North America, from wherever it comes, all those data points, what is the quality of those data points? How how are they ensured that are true, that are updated? And second, are they, how to say, interchangeable? Is the data normalized? So you can clearly say this data point from this, part of the supply chain is equivalent to this other one that comes from Asia, to this other one that comes from North America. That seems to me, right. a, to me a bit challenging, or how, how do you deal with that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. This question of who has access to the data, both the average data like EcoInvent, but also the data that needs to be contributed by companies all over the world in our global supply chains is, is so key. And, and and solving that problem, moving us into a modern situation on that problem is one of the missions of the Earthster project that we talked about, we, could, we can talk about, I mentioned it. Um, the way we've been doing LCA over decades, the old-fashioned way, I would say, which has still been the standard way um, up until extremely recently, is a bit like having just a few, it's the consultants were in charge. The consultants had a monopoly on the information. It's a bit like a hundred people in a room want to speak with one another. They need to work something out. They need to have a conversation. But there were just three people in the room, the three consultants, and you could only talk to the consultant. So you could say something to the consultant and other people could say something and the consultant would decide what information we each have access to, but we couldn't talk to each other. What we clearly can do now with the web um, and with software tools, platforms like Mm Earthster is you can connect directly to your suppliers. You can use the EcoInvent database to understand generically how your product is made and what its impacts are. But then you can reach out directly to your suppliers and say, here's how I'm currently modeling you using EcoInvent information. Can you check this? Can you improve it and make it more accurately descriptive of your processes? And then will you share with me just the results of that analysis so I get a much more accurate picture of what I produce? And we we create what we call connected collaborative life cycle assessment and it's a totally new way to do lca it's it's democratizing it. it it means that everybody participating is benefiting is sharing only what they're comfortable sharing and when they improve the accuracy of the processes that they manage that helps all of us get a more accurate picture of the life cycles of of everything we're we're producing and and buying
1: Actually, you mentioned the the key word that actually I already had in my mind: collaboration. Yes, mm-hmm. collaboration. While putting together all these all these data points, and mm-hmm. the, so I can access through tools like like Earth, Erster, the data that my suppliers or my uh, any 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 supplies or product or services that I am using, I'm receiving that. I'm putting all together, and so I get my own. Results, my own analysis, all good. Between them, is that also shared? Or is there any case for them to share? I don't know because there may be certain uh, confidentiality policies. I, I I don't know between them, or is it you is towards an, a specific product or service to a specific company that this is this can be done?
0: Let me make sure I understand your your question, Delphine. Is it? Uh... Between me and my supplier, the, the, the confidentiality issue or between my supplier and somebody else?
1: Between themselves. Between uh-huh. those those suppliers. Okay, because I am assuming that of course we already have the agreements in place with the people that we work yeah. with, of course. That's that's why we are requesting you to to send me your data so we can do right. we can collaborate and do this together. But what about between themselves? They yeah. may or okay. may not know
0: each other. That's right. So this is another interesting facet of um, connected collaborative LCA. Um, as you say, the, these, my suppliers may, are, are likely to be strongly competitive with one another. Um, and so they're going to share their footprints with me. However, Erster is also collecting data on each one of the producers in their sector. So by participating in this system, What each of those suppliers can do is begin to benchmark themselves versus the average. And they may even be able to understand the variability in the group, uh, um, in the impacts uh, um, across the different manufacturers in their sector. So they will get insight. They won't learn about uh, exactly the impacts of their competitors unless the competitor decides to make that public. That's up to the competitor, but every participant will be able to benchmark themselves versus the average performance and possibly the variability in their sector. So you can all, everyone gets insight about how well they're doing and incentive to continuously improve. Which goes all to being more competitive. If
1: you want is trans, right. uh, measure transparency, should we call it? Uh, yeah, it can be benchmarked. But hey, if I'm not performing as good as my potential competitor, hey, well, I need to do something. So that right. I'm, I'm realizing that this also increases this the competitiveness between well, within all these actors in the uh, uh, in the process. So all this information, once assessed, is put. In one place, digital or or, or not one, uh, which is the form of this final document? We know there's this final resource. We know uh, if the if the final shape is on a LCA report, if the final shape is an environmental product declaration, perhaps is which are the options to present this uh, to the
0: different to different people that we need to send. That's another great uh, topic area, Delphine, is um, in what form do we um, deliver these results to one another, let's say? Historically, the mechanism for communicating, sharing, storing life cycle assessment results was a report, of course. In fact, originally, of course, paper, you know, published reports, uh, documents, but Then we went for for decades to digital documents, of course, but still it's a static report, a snapshot. And you you can learn from a report, but you can't ask it questions. You can't really update it. The consultant may be able to update it, but you're stuck with only the answers that have been asked and answered in the report. And what companies now need, because change is ever more rapid and the pressure for continuous progress is stronger and stronger. Companies need to be able to quickly ask, what if they they learn from the report that their electricity supply is a major contributor to their footprint. So they say, well, what if we source our electricity from photovoltaics or wind? They need to be able to quickly answer that question. What if we switch to recycled content on the aluminum that we purchase or that we use What if we send our products to recycling at their end of life? And and dozens of uh, additional very important what-if questions. For this reason, uh, what I believe and what we're implementing with Erster is a situation where you deliver a report, but you also deliver the model itself in usable form to your client. So we work with consultants consultants are a, a vital player in this LCA world in the LCA ecosystem no question about it they're specialists they understand LCA they're highly efficient and they can teach the companies that they work with about life cycle assessment and the LCA impacts of their products but consultants don't need can, consultants can thrive without being monopolizing the knowledge and the power of LCA. They can actually thrive even more by spreading that power to their clients. And they do this by building a model in a platform like Earthster, which is so user-friendly through modern user experiences that the customer, who's not an LCA expert at all, can open up the model, understand their lifecycle impacts, and begin to change things and ask what if on their own. And so... To answer your question in a nutshell, we still have reports. We still have environmental product declarations, yes, but we also have now newly the models themselves being exchanged among players in this ecosystem.
1: Because one of the things that talking about these final reports, as you say, well, in the past they are just mm-hmm. static ones. Once the mm-hmm. uh, assessment, assessment is finished, is there p- printed? Quote, quote, printed, and that's it. It's not updated. If pass, if five, ten years passes, I mean, clearly it's it's outdated. These documents that now, as you said, can be regularly updated as the situation change or as the mm-hmm. elements in the supply chain or in the whatever elements change, is this report somehow standardized? Because one thing that we have been listening from, from our side, from the consultants, as in, civil engineering consultants mm-hmm. or urban designers that they are presented with either an EPD or an LCI report. And okay, good. I want to assess the, the elements mm-hmm. that I'm putting in this project that we are working now for X or Y government. We are mm-hmm. presented with EPDs We are presented with the, uh, all the LCI reports and they turn out to be slightly different. So how can we yes. compare apples with apples if even the reports are not the same. So wh- where are we there with this standardization or lack of?
0: Yes, the key I think the key word that uh, at the core of your question and at the core one of the core needs is comparability mm-hmm. true comparability of LCAs or of environmental product declarations, EPDs, um, of reports of models, et cetera. Where are we on the quest for true, um, let's say, full or or um, reliable comparability? We've come a long way. Um, we still have work to do to finalize um, to finalize that, and I'll tell you a little bit about that that journey and where we stand. The, the first key step toward comparability was the ISO standards for life cycle assessment. Mm-hmm implemented initially in the mid-90s and updated in the mid-2000s. So the ISO standards really uh, laid out a lot of requirements and guidelines. If you're going to do an LCA, you need to include this. You need to do it this way. You need to document these aspects of your study and so on. It helped. But then we, we discovered that for specific product groups, to be true, for the LCAs to be truly comparable, we need to make sure that within the the allowances of ISO, sometimes there's flexibility still in ISO. We need to make sure everyone makes the same decision on each of these key mm-hmm. flexible uh, things, such as um, which impact categories do they address, which parts of the life cycle do they include. How do they define and quantify the function delivered by the product, which is the basis for comparison, a fair comparison? Those issues are all established and and nailed down precisely by the product category rules that govern or shape an environmental product declaration. And some people hoped that by just having good, well-written PCRs, product category rules for EPDs that we had solved the comparability issue. Um, It turns out we haven't. Research has shown that you can still get quite different results on some impact categories, um, even if two consultants follow the same PCR, doing an LCA of the same product. Why? One of the biggest remaining reasons turned out to be the data that they use, um, the data sources, and so... This is an interesting challenge. How do we make sure that ideally everyone would use the same data, but we want the data world to be a competitive space where where data providers essentially are competing to provide the most accurate, most appropriate data for each product and service in the economy? If, if a government agency or a global entity was filling the data gaps for everything... We'd be all set, but that's not the case. We have a we have a marketplace for data. It's a supply and demand um, context, and so we need competition there rather than a monopoly. And yet we need people to make the same choice. Um, and I think a, a vision that I actually put forward to a, an organization called the Sustainability Consortium, still in existence. I first proposed this uh, over ten years ago to, to the TSC. Um, was let's evaluate transparency transparently. Let's evaluate the uncertainty in every data set being supplied to the world into the data marketplace, um, and let's identify the least uncertain data solution for any question somebody's going to ask. And that least uncertain, uh, most appropriate uh, data set should be used by the practitioners building an LCA on that question. And in that way, we can still have competition in the data world, but we can also ensure that we all use the same data at the same point in time. Now, there's still going to be interesting questions once we implement something like that solution, namely, how do we control the fact that Data is continuously improving; that there are updates, uh, but I think um, that's where we are now. Is really the final frontier on this dolphin is is the data sources um, and getting co- co- consistency in data and making sure that everyone indeed uses the best available data for every for each task. Yeah, the reliability of
1: that data and that everyone understands how to interpret that final document that that. That is the data that is reflected on that document, which is another of the, of the things that we have been hearing from from different types of uh, uh, design, uh, urban design companies. That yeah, we may not fully understand sometimes the difference between one and or another. One. One of the things that I'm realizing is from your side, for the most part, academic academia side. Okay, you are pushing all this, uh, supporting the ISO standards, but who else what is missing here is there where is the legal framework is there mm-hmm. something that we can support us have the european union for example step up or or where are we in this in in, in terms of the legal framework mm-hmm. for lca or, or in general for LBD? okay
0: well we that's a, a fascinating topic and we're at a time of um, quite some urgency And it actually relates closely to the point you were making right before your question about how do we interpret results. There have been some lawsuits recently uh, brought against major retailers, for example, in in Europe. Uh, Lawsuits brought because the plaintiffs uh, accused the retailers of making statements about the environmental superiority of one product that they sell versus another trying to it looked to me like they're trying to help consumers make a sustainable choice within the product offerings from the retailer and yet they were still taken to court um, and the, the accusation was that the data was not perfect for example the data on a particular t-shirt was about uh that kind of t-shirt but it wasn't about exactly that particular T-shirt being held in the hand of the consumer. The cotton, for example, was based. The cotton informa- the information on the impacts of cotton manufacturing was based on a sample taken from cotton farms a few years prior in in part of the part of the globe, mm-hmm. not data from the exact farms that supplied the cotton that went into that exact T-shirt. Now. This to me is a bit of a misunderstanding on the part of the plaintiffs if they truly believe what they're complaining. Because we never have perfect information. We, we always have information that is hopefully useful, information with uncertainty, with, with mm-hmm. imperfections. And the question is, is it useful? Can it help us improve the probability that we make the right environmental choice? It can't guarantee with 100% certainty you know that the carbon footprint of this t-shirt is exactly 1.234 kilograms um, and so some awareness and some maturity about dealing with imperfect information which we do in the rest of our lives all the time somebody tells you how you know you ask the question how far away is this restaurant and then say one to two kilometers or, or something like that, you know, four or five blocks, uh, 10 to 15 minute walk, something like that. You, you don't expect them to say 12.34 uh, uh, minutes. And so why do we ask for a carbon footprint of 12.34? You know, we need to get used to round numbers in LCA, I think and uh, because that's the best we're going to be able to do things are always changing and data is imperfect but
1: legal framework yes um, well actually we at one point is this okay we just have yeah, to live with it imperfect information as, as you just just explained that would be i guess a long process a long educational process that we are uh, in this type of mindset data driven and they have been precise numbers about anything how come we have we have some modern computers since 2022 how can we cannot have precise information at any given point but as you said as you exemplify it well we need to start uh, understanding and living living with it with it uh, mm-hmm. perfect information that's that's a good one yeah legal legal framework where where do where do we are what was your
0: one are your thoughts about that well <clears throat> what uh the European Commission has stated, and they actually told us um, long ago that we were going to hear from them this November. Time's running out. we got about a day left mm-hmm. as the as recording this to hear from the European Commission on this. But they were going to uh, provide some guidance coming uh, in relation to the PEF project, Product Environmental Footprint Project, um, and stating not only that the PEF framework which has already been piloted and refined uh, many times. And it has gotten, I think, very useful. It, It can always get better and there's certain issues about it that can always be improved, but it's a valuable framework for really standardizing LCAs, making them more comparable, helping them communicate well to the consumer. What the European Commission has been considering is requiring that if a company wants to make an environmental claim publicly uh, about products, they need to back it up with a PEF, with, with a life cycle assessment done according to the guidelines of the product environmental footprint framework. And that would help uh, comparability. It would raise some issues of cost and accessibility to small and medium enterprises that need to be addressed. Uh, it raises this question of well, what exactly which data will be used and how does that get answered in a way that ensures comparability with while maintaining competition on data provision? But um, this is a possibility that, that, that we consider very serious, um, a very serious possibility, serious in the sense it's highly likely and will have a large impact. Um, that the European Commission will say, at least in, in Europe, in the European market, uh, if companies are making environmental uh, claims of any kind, that they need to back it up with a life cycle assessment done in conformance with PEF. With PEF. Well,
1: that would be uh, something, something really interesting. As you say, well, it's, it's due now in November 2022, as we are recording this. Well, let's see if, that's, if that comes anytime soon. Um, so, if we can wrap, which would be your, which be your thoughts, if any given company is willing to improve their carbon footprint, what they should stop doing and what they should start doing to improve this
0: carbon footprint? Hmm. That, I'm um, going to give you two answers. Um The first thing to look into, it seems to me, is uh, can you source your electricity from renewables? The electricity that you purchase, can you source that somehow from renewables? Many ways to do that, power purchase agreements and so forth. Um, But secondly, and this probably won't surprise you that I say this, with just a few days' effort... Try to obtain either a prior life cycle assessment about the kinds of products that you make, the kind of organization that you are, the products that you make, or perform a life cycle assessment in what we call a streamlined or scoping LCA. Because you may discover, for example, that the electricity you purchase is just 1% of the footprint, and 50% of the footprint is in the use phase, or 50% of the footprint is some of your key suppliers. You know, so I, I think you should, it, it helps if we all take action on our own consumption of energy to begin with. But you really do want to get some LCA insights. And you don't have to wait six months for a $50,000 life cycle assessment by a consultant. You really can jump in and get some insights either from prior LCAs, on the product categories that you produce, um, or using a tool like Erster again, which is very accessible and from which you can begin, you can start with templates and you can get answers in minutes, uh, insights in minutes about the product categories that you produce in. This won't be the final story that you publish in a report, but it will be really powerful insights to help answer the question you posed Delphine how do I make either my products greener or my operations, my organizational footprint greener? And the reason I say we need a life cycle assessment to really answer that question is it's so, the answer is so different for different companies and different product categories. If it was true for everyone that most of our footprint was our own electricity, then that would be the answer. But uh, for some product categories, their own on-site footprint is trivial compared to either upstream sometimes or downstream sometimes or both. Well, there you go.
1: We have uh, we have learned today a lot of what we should stop doing, start doing, learn about PEF, learn about collaborative LCA. Uh, for sure, we will include uh, a few links on the show notes of this episode to, to Erster and to all the um, thoughts that you have shared with the, with us. So, Greg, this has been super insightful, and uh, our audience uh, in the urban designing community will uh, will have appreciated. So, thank you so much, and please let our listeners know where where they can connect with you and
0: or where they can learn more about Erster. Sure. Um, do you want that in written form or verbally? Say, I mean,
1: we, we we can we will take our producer Maria will take a note of that and include it in the in the notes. But yeah, where people can connect with you for any further questions or or, or other things I want to ask you.
0: Great. Well, so definitely uh, you can reach me at either Greg at erster or uh, Greg at mit uh, sorry G Norris at mit um, and it, definitely check out the Erster platform. Actually, create an account and start using it today. It's, you can use it for free. You can access the whole. EcoInvent database that I mentioned for free, that's just uh, app.erster.org. And I'll give you a link to uh, the program that I I direct at MIT for companies that are interested in uh, looking at something we call the handprint positive impacts. Uh, That's a a project called Shine at MIT, and I'll, I'll send you a link to that too. Shine or MIT. That sounds
1: really good. So thank you so much, Greg, for your time today. And we will certainly come back to this topic about LCI, come back to the legal framework surrounding mm-hmm. uh, EPDs and surrounding all carbon footprint uh, assessment uh, in the European Union. So thank you very much, Urbanistas, and see you the next time. Thank you for listening to the Urbanista podcast a production of UPONO Infra, the leader in sustainable infrastructure solutions. If you found it interesting, why don't you share it with your colleagues? We all together can move our industry forward.